is our week in the Weege. Hello and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm Natalie Crawford. <laughs> and Selena is having a giggle fit. A breakdown, I think is the correct term. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever had a breakdown in the headlines before. We've at least managed to get <laughs> through the headlines before before everything goes to, to heck. Well, oh, will dear. we start again from the top? I think we should. Okay. Hello and welcome to Week in the Weech. I'm Natalie Crawford. And I'm Selena Jackson. This week in the Weege... 16-year-old Aaron Campbell's been found guilty of the abduction, rape and murder of 6-year-old Alicia McPhail on the Isle of Butte in July last year. Kilmarnock boss Steve Clark's being praised for his furious reaction to sectarian chanting at Ibrox. He was abused during his side's 5 0 Scottish Cup defeat to Rangers. Glasgow's film festivals in full swing and we're joined by co-director Alison Gardner who's going to talk us through her highlights. And sticking with the big screen, we broke the news earlier this week that a Hollywood icon could be coming to Glasgow. All that and so much more on this week's Week in the Weege. A very warm hello to you and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm enjoying this Week in the Weege, are you? Oh aye, I'd have preferred it if it was Week in the Wedge. Right, and a week in Barbados. This is a week in the Weege. Selena Jackson, how are you? I'm good, Natalie Crawford. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. It's been an exceptionally busy week, though. Hasn't it? We're it's been all, all over the place. Absolutely shattered. We are. Um, I was just saying to Natalie when we came into the studio there, I think yesterday was just sort of the pinnacle of... Everything we had Kerry Ann out at the High Court where she's been for the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. You were through at Holyrood discussing something very big and exciting, which yes. we will discuss in a in a, a future subsequent episode. Yes. We had Alice and our sports reporter out in Valencia. We just we had people all over the place. It was brilliant. We have been absolutely crushing it and be left in no doubt whatsoever that Clyde News is the place to come oh. for your news. And just while we're on the subject, we have a new app. There is a new Radio Clyde app. So if you've right, got the do. app, update it. If you've not got the app, download it. It's available in all app stores. And there's a new feature on there and you'll be able to access this podcast right on the app, on your phone and the highlights. So go and do that. We were very smug today when we noticed it was in the highlights, yes. weren't we? <laughs> this is a week in the Weege. So the first story that we're going to today is unfortunately a pretty horrible story. It's Absolutely something horrific. that everybody's been covering, mm-hmm. everybody's been following. Um, a 16-year-old boy has been found guilty of abducting, raping and murdering Alicia McPhail in Butte last July. Mm-hmm. And today the reporting restrictions were lifted. So we were able to name him as Aaron Campbell, who lives on the island Yes, so Judge Lord Matthews decided that it was in the public interest that the media be able to name this boy after calling his crimes, what was it, some of the most depraved yep. that he'd ever heard. Most wicked and depraved he'd ever seen. In, in the history of, of Glasgow High Court. So, And I mean, this is a judge that's presided over some pretty horrendous yes. cases. So for him to come out with a statement that strong I think says says an awful lot about the evidence that was presented in front of him and the case that himself mm-hmm. and the yeah. jurors had to sit through um, and and let's just take a second to take our hats off to our reporter Kerry Ann Doherty who has covered all but one day 
of of evidence at the high court she's had to listen to some horrific things and she has done it with such professionalism and dedication and i'm very glad to see that this that justice has been done and hopefully this will help alicia's family heal even slightly i can't i I can't even fathom how, how you even begin to start getting over something like this but hopefully that gets them some of the way there campbell will be sentenced on march 21st for his crimes that was another thing that the judge actually commented on just how well alicia's family conducted themselves throughout the whole trial and honestly i commend them for that that must be just unfathomable i can't even imagine how difficult it would be to sit through that and then for Campbell to be found guilty in front of them and they're looking at the boy that has raped and murdered their wee girl is just unbelievable but the judge commented on how brave and how dignified they've been throughout the whole process so like you said I really really hope that in some way they can start to heal and start to move on with their lives. It is absolutely one of the most horrendous things I've ever heard I've ever covered Uh, I was on Butte when Alicia went missing and it's such a picturesque, beautiful island. The people are all so friendly and it really does have this lovely community feeling and it was just completely rocked and I think it'll take the the whole island a long time to get over this. I think at the start when this first happened, the general feeling was it must have been an outsider and it it wasn't obviously, it was somebody in in their community. I think that's what makes it so horrendous. It's uh, the not knowing at first and then finding out that it's been a near stranger Mm -hmm. has actually come into their house in the middle of the night, taken their wee girl from her bed. That, oh, that's just everyone's worst nightmare. It's like a horror film. You just can't imagine that. And like you said, I don't blame people on the island for not wanting to believe that that could happen. I think you'd be clinging on to any hope that that sort of evil wasn't just living down the street from you. But unfortunately, we've seen that it was. But I guess the maybe saving grace in this is that he has been found guilty mm-hmm. and hopefully he will never be able to do to another child what he did to we, Alicia. Yeah, to the, the jury of, of eight women and, and, and seven men just three and a half hours um, to find Campbell guilty so I, th- I think that speaks to, to the weight of, of, of evidence that he was up against A week in the week Steve Clark's being praised for his furious reaction to sectarian chanting at Ibrox. The Kilmarnock managers accused some fans of living in the dark ages after he was abused during his 5-0 Scottish Cup defeat to Rangers earlier this week. It comes after Chris Boyd was targeted by chance and had a coin thrown at him by Celtic fans in Kelly's match at the weekend. After the match, Clark went on an expletive-filled rant about sectarianism in the west of Scotland and we have chopped that up. So we'll we'll just listen to what Clark has to say before we we delve into this one. Nice being back in the west of Scotland, eh? Really nice. When I was approached by Rangers about taking over the job here, I was assured. Now we don't have that in the west of Scotland anymore. It's gone. (laughs) Where are we living in? The Dark Ages. What are we doing in Scotland? I thank Chelsea for coming and taking me away from the west of Scotland because my children 
don't understand this. They don't have anything to do with this. My children have nothing to do with it. They don't understand. So thankfully, when I go down there, the children, my grandchildren, they don't need to worry about this. Very strong words there. Very strong. It's just absolutely disgraceful. It's so embarrassing that this is a problem that we still have to deal with, not even in football, just in Scotland generally. I know. It's something you don't see elsewhere. And he's right. It's people living in the dark ages. Mm -hmm. And oh, you're just absolutely humiliated. What must other people think when they look up to Scotland and that's the sort of abuse that's getting hurled at managers? It's not as though, you know, managers are obviously, they get a fair share of criticism and I'm sure they'd take that. But this is just... It's, 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 it's unnecessary and it really is Scotland's shame. And in Steve Clark's comments there, he's so glad that Chelsea came and took him away from Scottish football. We are going to start losing quality players. We're going to start losing quality managers because they don't want to work and play here. It's such a shame because I think Steve Clark himself then said, you know, it's this loud stupid minority of people that have to just tarnish the game for everyone and he's so right it is because I'm sure the vast majority of people will go and no matter what side you're on they will completely condemn this this is not about whether you're blue or green or where you're from Mm -hmm. or point scoring no matter what side you're on no matter what side is doing this Everyone should be condemning this, absolutely, without a doubt. Absolutely, and he's been praised for his actions and I do think that more managers should do the same. That's the thing, I think it will take pinpointing every single instance of it happening and just coming down hard on it every single time because people clearly have not yet learned that there is no place for this in Scotland, but oh, I don't We've been speaking um, to David Scott, who's from the anti-sectarian charity Nil by Mouth, and he said to us it was actually really brave of Steve Clark to speak out. Steve Clark has made some very powerful comments here after the abuse he endured at Ibrox, coming hot on the heels of what Chris Boyd had to suffer at Rugby Park a couple of days ago. Sectarianism is still a problem in Scottish football and clubs need to get serious about tackling it. I think Steve Clark has been very brave speaking out in the manner that he does. The fact that he spent quite a lot of time on his career down in England and he's reflected in that in his remarks shows the fact that this isn't normal behaviour, this isn't acceptable elsewhere and the more people stand up to be counted on this issue, the better. His remarks will be heard by people, they'll reflect on it when the time comes to sign or manage a club people might just think to themselves do i really want to go to a place like that well this sort of stuff is acceptable scottish football suffers far too much from people who just want to point the fingers at people rather than look in the mirror themselves there are big hard questions to be answered here and fans of clubs should start reflecting on the behavior of their own supporters the actions of their own clubs and players before they worry about other people's so that's David Scott there from anti-sectarian charity Nil by Mouth, really praising Steve Clark for coming out and, and speaking up and, and calling out the, the sectarian abuse. Quite right. I mean, it, Scottish football has so much to offer and there's so many parts of Scottish football that are absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we're still tarnished by this. Well, like you said, it's just shameful. So I think until we get rid of that, it's always just going to be looming over us like a big dark cloud. And that's what people are going to think of when they think of Scottish football, which is shocking. Our week in the week. So Glasgow's film festival opened earlier this week with the UK premiere of Hollywood star Jonah Hill's directorial debut, a movie called Mid-90s. Across 12 days, the citywide celebration of cinema will host seven world premieres, 102 UK and 49 Scottish premieres. The event's now in its 15th year and is expecting 42,000 visitors. But how do you go about planning a film festival? Well, we're joined by its co-director, Alison 
Gardner now. She's going to tell us how. A week in the week. So, Alison, thank you so much for coming in to join us on the eve of the start of this year's Glasgow Film Festival. You know, where we're saying there is a massive programme, but if you can, talk us through some of the, the juicy highlights. What are you most looking forward to? Um, I think for me, the things that are really special are the special events that we do in Glasgow. We're now becoming quite um, renowned for the, the fact that we do these pop-up events great films usually an anniversary in really exciting places so um i know that you are the sponsors of our ghostbusters event and that is going to be fantastic in the argyle street arches it's absolutely phenomenal and we're looking forward to that um we're also doing fight club who doesn't want to see brad pitt yeah no nobody i can't i can't imagine anybody that doesn't want to see that And also, um, there's lots of other things like we're doing Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure in the Buchanan Street Galleries and we've got people dressed up as Socrates, as they call them. And so for me, these are very special events that really lead people gently into a festival because some of the festivals that I go to are perhaps more elitist yes um than certainly we at glasgow film festival feel because we feel we're really giving something for all yeah that's what i was going to say it does have a more kind of inclusive feel than other more renowned film festivals i can't think of another word to use there but it does have a very inclusive feel yes i mean one of the things that we want to do is give back to our audience. So um, every year the retrospective is free in the morning. So at 10.30 every morning, starting on the Thursday, the 21st of February, we have films from 1969, The End of Innocence. And essentially what that is, is America was going through a change. These are Hollywood films. It was beginning to be reflected in the, the films that hadn't perhaps been so before. So, for example, there had been the civil rights movement, the Vietnam War. I think people were looking at things differently. Um, it was the first year that an X-rated film won the Oscar, <laughs> which was Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> and um, so every morning we're doing a free film there mm-hmm. and we give an introduction about the history of the film, etc. So that's our way of giving back to our audience. And that's free to all. And then we also have free events at 6.30 in the evening for people looking for ways into our industry around, say, say um, uh, costume design mm. or, for example, something like um, scoring. So we're doing a, an event with the people who did Outlaw King. So there's lots of different ways to engage different uh, communities as well because it, it is really cinema for all. And the event opens this year with Jonah Hill's directorial debut and loads of other premieres across the weeks as well. Can you give me a, tell me a wee bit about those? So mid-90s, fantastic film. Um, we are in our 15th year and we seem to have a lot of films that reflect teenagers this year. <laughs> and I don't know if that was um, subconscious or not, but obviously um, coming of age, mid-90s is coming age story. Um, it's beautifully written. The acting is superb and it really stays with you. Essentially, this young 13-year-old boy is looking for his community. He finds them in with a group of young, cool skate kids. The language is really authentic and real. If, if these feel mm. like conversations, they don't feel scripted. It's really great. And then we're closing with um, Beats, which is set in Scotland at the opposite end (laughs) Um, in terms of um, geographically from this California setting of mid-90s. But essentially, the stories are universal. They have the same themes. It's about finding yourself, discovering who you are as a young person, 
um, you know, making mistakes, but learning from those mistakes. And there's a lot of films about young people mm. and we really should be looking at, you know, young people and their lives and how we can we can make this go forward and, and, and this be a talking point. So Beats is set in 1994. I was obviously but a small child then. <laughs> um, and essentially it's the story of... Um, an illegal rave and it's absolutely fantastic mm. and again it feels very authentic in terms of the script and it comes from uh, a play so it also has that sort of pedigree. Yeah. Was that theme through the programme intentional or was it one of these things that it just was a happy accident and it all came together? I like to say it was intentional but I think it's more of a happy accident. <laughs> <laughs> Without 204 feature films you know mm -hmm. you tend to have these you see these patterns you know amongst filmmaking communities um, and so I think that there's been that sort of... Yeah. It's a bit like fashion, that was just the trend. Yeah, it feels like it's a trend. Also, I think with the world being so weird at the moment, you know, you know... <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Yeah, you know, you know, building walls, peddling mm. hatred. We find that a lot of the filmmaking community are looking for positive stories, mm. stories about people's lives, you know, how, how can we make positive change? How can we be more respectful of each other? How can we walk in other people's shoes and, and discover their lives? And that's the best way to really change yourself is to yeah. walk in other people's shoes. And you can do that very easily through the film festival. Yeah. We have a whole section called Window in the World, which is all these fantastic films from across the world, you know, from Kazakhstan, for example. You know, these are films that you wouldn't normally see. A lot of the films for the festival will only come in for the festival, never be seen in cinemas again. So it really is an opportunity to see something both unique and beautiful. And you mentioned the festival is in its 15th year this year. Tell me just about the support that you get from Glasgow as a city as a whole to have got it to 15 years. Uh, the city has been phenomenal and always our ethos has been because we're part of Glasgow Film and Glasgow Film Theatre is that we need to make our our event as accessible to everybody both price wise you know in terms of um, no barriers around things not having elitism so for example one of the things we started was when you come to the opening gala if you buy a ticket then you also get to come to the party that doesn't happen in other film festivals and other film festivals you might come to get to buy a ticket for the opening gala but you don't get any party included so we wanted to make it inclusive <laughs> Uh, Glasgow has been great and also using Glasgow's venues has been fantastic so we spread out from 26 different venues mm. in the city so we really do use our city to its best advantage and what that has done over the years is obviously it's grown exponentially in terms <laughs> of numbers of tickets sold but also as well we find that Lots more people come, say, from the UK distribution se um, sector. So, for example, a lot of people come up from London. Um, Glasgow audiences make the festival what it is. So people say from London, mm, I was sitting next to people and people were talking to me. And I was like, because <laughs> you're in Glasgow. Yeah. That doesn't happen to me. It can, for example. <laughs> Nobody talks to anybody. Um, so, But at Glasgow Film Festival, it's like a wee family. Mm. Even though we're talking 42,000 people at various uh, events, it feels like a family. People feel engaged. Our audience are very knowledgeable. They have served us fantastically well. Filmmakers always say to us, your audience are really smart. They ask the best questions. And is that why Glasgow Film Festival is able to attract all these big premieres like Jonah Hill's directorial debut, for example? Yes, I think it is. I mean, I think it's become easier over the years to attract the right sort of film, but it still has to be the right sort of film. It has to... Um, has to fit for us 
um, you know, and so we're trying to offer something. There's a lot of films in the festival that I don't like. Yeah. Because it's not called Alison's Film Festival. <laughs> so it's, there's lots yeah. of things in there that are not my personal taste, but somebody will like them. And we're really providing that sort of gateway to say, is this your thing? You know, it's quite funny because Glaswegian audiences are really great and they'll come up to me and say, oh, Alison, that film I saw was terrible. I really didn't <laughs> like it. And I'll say, well, Alan chose that one. <laughs> my co-director, I told him not to. <laughs> so that's the advantage of having a co-director. But... People mostly take a chance. I think the festival is about coming out of your comfort zone. So in the run-up to planning something like Glasgow Film Festival, then how many movies, how many films do you think you watch? Um, I'm very, very privileged. I'm very, very lucky. I watch a lot of films because I also programme Glasgow Film Theatre as well. Um, so I'll watch films at Cannes, for example, Toronto. I was at San Sebastian Film Festival this year as well. So I'll probably watch in the region of 50 at each festival, wow. five a day. That's a, a lot. A bit like your vegetables and fruit. <laughs> that is a, a lot of It's of great. Movies. But I mean, it's, it's a fantastic job. I'm so lucky to have the job. So I'll see films. We um, Also, Alan will watch films. And then we have other people in the team who programme as well. And then we'll have people who perhaps programme certain sections, which are perhaps not my forte. So <laughs> Sound and Vision, for example. Um, a sort of younger, hipper end of the, the, the festival mm-hmm. spectrum. So there's lots of people's voices in there. And that's what makes it such a diverse programme, is the fact that we're such a diverse team. And a lot of screenings are already sold out as yes. well. <laughs> That, that must just be amazing to, to know that, you know, for, for this portion of the festival, you know, we don't we don't need to worry. Those screenings are booked out. People are, are coming. That must be a great feeling. Well, it is. It is. And then you're like, oh, gosh, I really wish I'd put it in a diff- bigger screen or there were more people. And then you have those thoughts. But you could drive yourself mad thinking those things. I think for me what it is is making sure that people have the opportunity to see the things that are really important to them. So, for example, eighth grade is already sold out, Mm -hmm. but the afternoon screening the next day is not yet sold out. So there's lots of different things. And then there's great one-off opportunities, like, for example, Prophecy, the documentary about Peter Howison's film. Mm -hmm. Peter Howison's doing a QA and a at that. This is the only Q&A he's going to do Mm -hmm. around this film. So if you haven't bought a ticket yet, get in there now. So there's those sort of things. And that has been moved up to a bigger screen because we were able to do that um, and because it's a unique opportunity so we try and balance those things um, the family event around Ghostbusters for example is getting close to selling out because we made all the tickets £6 to encourage families and also there's make your own slime for goodness sake I know. what else would who you would, like who to do? Who want to make slime? It's the totally in thing at Apparently, the moment <laughs> my children are 23 and 19 so I don't know but there's lots of things like that about you know getting it right for the particular audience, not pricing people out, but making the experience as fun as you can possibly do it. And our job is to raise the funds to do that, pay for the films, for example, for the free retrospective and make sure that people have the time of their lives. I mean, one of the one, the unique events this year is going to be the Blair Witch Project at a secret location. I can't tell you because I'd have to kill you, but oh, um, it's going to be so scary. The planning around this has been phenomenal. So I'm really looking forward to that because yeah. I've not really been part of the planning process in this. So I really just want to go along and enjoy it. Yeah. I saw the Blair Witch Project when it came out in 1999 when I was at Cannes Film Festival. I thought it was a documentary about Tony Blair <laughs> because they don't tell you. It just said documentary. And I was like, oh, 
that's quite interesting. <laughs> and then, of course, plainly it wasn't a documentary yes. about Tony Blair. <laughs> it is an absolutely fabulous movie. I think I, if it came out in 1999, I would have only been seven or eight. And I remember being scared witless. Oh, it's such a great... It really does stand the test of time because it's one of the first lost... So what they call found footage films. Yeah. And so that was quite a trend that, you know, perhaps, you know, Cloverfield then played upon, which was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, and things that are dear to my heart are things like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, so we have asked Keanu and Alex Winter has sent a message to us, which is on Facebook. So that's really oh, nice. That's so. lovely. And it just kind of goes to show, you know, obviously people in Glasgow really support the festival as well, but the industry really supports the festival they really do i mean we've seen a big increase in international visitors and in terms of lots of the films for example haven't um, been picked up for distribution in the uk a lot of people say this is a good area for them to watch and see how it, it, how it works at glasgow so that's great for us some of the films will be coming out in march april may but it's a great launch pad mm. for those films so there's lots of good things i think um, come out of it and i think for me it's about the breadth product that we're able to offer across Glasgow Film Festival makes it exciting and I am excited and every year I I get excited. Your enthusiasm for it just is oozing out of you so (laughs) if there is somebody listening to this that for whatever reason has never been to the Glasgow Film Festival what would you say to them to get them out and, and into a screening? I would say find a day that you can come look at our visual calendar and say, choose three things that are out with your comfort zone and buy a ticket. Because that way, it's a, it's a journey of discovery. Mm. It may be not the best film you've ever seen for you, but it might be the film that you will champion the rest of your life. So there's lots of... I would always say take a chance, go out of your comfort zone, challenge yourself, because it is a really great experience. And I think... Things that are around the family events, for example, Modern Families, is we've made most of them free or £6. So if you do have a family, make sure you come along and show your children these great films and have that engagement. It, it just really is a fun time. Alison, thank you so much for joining us. really appreciate it. Thank you. This is A Week in the Week. So earlier this week, we broke some exciting and big news. Very big news, yep. So Glasgow, we've spoken about this a few times on Week in the Weege, has been used for film sets, Mm -hmm. for many different movies. It's been used for filming TV shows. Obviously, we had the the most recent one was the the Fast and Fury spin-off, Hobbs and Shaw. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we got to see a bit of action there and there was, like, stunts and helicopters. But I am most excited about this. So a planning application has been put to Glasgow City Council for the use of Govan Docks as a film set for a war movie. It's called 1917. It is directed by Sam Mendes, who, if you don't know, is the guy behind James Bond's Spectre and Skyfall, which in itself is extremely exciting. Mm -hmm. But the producer is the man behind Indiana Jones Mm -hmm. and E.T., the one and only Stephen 
Spielberg wants to shoot a movie in Glasgow. How exciting is that? It is extremely exciting and wonderful for the city, the amount of money that that would bring to the economy to start with. I mean, if you think Steven Spielberg wants to shoot in Glasgow, the president president that that may set in the film world. And you know what I love as well? It's such a Glaswegian setting. You know, it's the shipyards, it's the docks. It's so like intrinsically Glaswegian. I love that. I absolutely love it. So to see Steven Spielberg potentially shooting Mm. there would just, oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. So the planning application, if I'm remembering this correctly, is they'll build a set on the east side of the shipyard. They'll also be constructing like a temporary building and a temporary bridge that will go between two of the docks. So, I mean, it's going to look amazing. Like they're coming, they're wanting to build infrastructure. It's not just that they're coming here to like do a wee piddly something or other like they're actually coming to like uh, we've seen in a cafe yeah, or something like, that doesn't make any big change proper infrastructure it's, it's super exciting well fingers crossed yeah that'd be a nice big story for us we could go along yeah maybe we could be extras oh <gasps> oh that would be fun yeah we could be extras we should start sending off our headshots now a week in the Weege. Well, that almost brings us to the end of this week's episode. But before we go, we're going to play again Who in the Weege. Yes, so this is a game that Selena came up with last week because actually she was being a wee bit lazy. Um, <laughs> not true. <laughs> um, but I really, really enjoyed it. So we're going to play it again. And this time, Selena is in the hot seat. So I have chosen a famous... Mm. Glaswegian and I have three clues about them and it is up to Selena to figure out who I am talking about. Let's go. I'm excited. I'll get my clues here. Your extensive notes. Yes. So this person's real name is Marie McDonald McLaughlin Laurie. <gasps> Kelly McDonald. No. Oh. I don't know. Who's Kelly McDonald? The one from Train Spotting and Brave. Oh yeah, of course. Sorry, She's my, brilliant. my apologies, Kelly McDonald. This person won Eurovision in nineteen sixty nine. Lulu. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I like this game. Who... I was so worried. I was going to say Lulu, and you're like, Lulu was never on Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, she was. Yes. Yes. Well done. Thank back you. Back when the UK was actually good in Eurovision, and oh, we won it sometimes. Back in the day. But it wasn't a political contest. Am I allowed to say that? I don't no. know. <laughs> well, well, it is, but oh well. We'll never top Lulu. A Week in the Weege is a Radio Clyde News production. For the latest around the clock, follow on Twitter at Radio Clyde News. Well, that brings us to the end of today's Week in the Weege. Thank you to Glasgow Film Festival director Alison Gardner for joining us and to you for listening. And before you go, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, download our new Fancy Pants app, and we'll see you next time on Week in the Weege. Bye. Bye.